Hello, and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. Good. I'm glad you're ready because we're starting a new series today called Are You Ready? Man, I'm excited. Good night. I'm, I'm excited. When you hold something in for a little while, it, I'm telling you, it becomes like fire shut up in your bones. And I, have, I just feel the, the fire of the Lord. So you ready to dive in with me? Before we dive in, I need to make sure I put some fuel to your fire right now. Put some logs on the fire, put a little gas in the tank. All right, because I feel like this is our gas, this is our fuel, it's what's been fueling us for the past couple of years as the Lord began to speak it to us. We're starting a new series, so I want to make sure that I put gas. And listen, I know that the gas out there is pretty expensive, and, and nobody wants to think about buying the high stuff, right? Nobody wants to go buy premium gas. Like, when you get the gas prices, you're wanting to know how much is the cheap stuff. And it's bad when the cheap stuff is $3.30 a gallon right now or something like that. But you know what? I, I'm telling you, this is, this is not the cheap stuff. This is the expensive stuff. It's already been paid for. You get your tank totally full as you, if you'll just open it up right now. So open up the gas tank because here it comes. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. How many of you just received that right now? Lift your hands. Lord, I thank you that what you're about to put in us through this next series is going to continue to move us along the heartbeat of God and what heaven is doing for this here and now moment. Lord, we pray that we would not miss it. We pray that we would be right in the middle of what you want to do. So our hearts are open. Our hearts are open to what you're saying. And we say like Samuel of old, speak to to us for your servants are listening, God. We want to run swiftly to the cause of Christ and what you have for us. And I pray that you would give us the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that, Father, what we're doing is not with a dull axe head or a missing axe head, but what you're doing is sharp and powerful through our lives by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for what you're doing, and I bless you, and we receive it today. Now, with this fuel of the glory of God, let us embrace the mission, vision, and values that you place before us. Let us arise and become radiant. As Jesus said, arise and let our light so shine before men. Oh God, I pray that that light would shine by the Holy Spirit. Use us to be the light of Christ in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of God. Yeah, it's fuel. It's the high octane stuff, not the cheap stuff. Amen. That's what I used to put in my Harley was the high octane stuff. Now I don't have a Harley, but anyway. Mission, vision, and values. That's what we've been on since June, since we came back in July. Mission, vision, and values. I don't know if you've got it memorized yet, but I'm going to share it with you 
And hopefully this will be in you and become a part of the thread of what God's speaking to you as part of this church family. You're part of the Covenant Fellowship Church family. If you, be, you belong here, those of you that are online, those of you that are in this house, that this is the place that you get fed from. This is the place that God has planted you for a purpose. You want to be able to receive this. You are part of the CFC family, so you exist to preach the good news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. You want to be able to see people encounter God. You want them to experience the love of God. And you want, to know, you want to help them to understand that there is a place for them in the kingdom of God to serve. You're going to do this with some core values to be word-centered, spirit-led, presence-driven, mission-engaged, family-valued, and worship-focused. That's what you're here to do. And we learn how to build this vision. We're going to build with God in our last series under construction. We're building with God. We're building with the plan. We're building in faith. We're building with generosity, and we're building in love. Can you say amen? Have you accepted that as your assignment, as part of this church family? And make a little noise if I can hear you here. If you've accepted that. So today we're going to start a series called Are You Ready? Now I want to, listen to me, I recognize if I were to have been in uh, ancient Palestine leading up to the time of Jesus, if I were to have had a gathering in Jerusalem, at that particular time, it was believed that about 500,000 people lived in all of Judah. If they would have come to Jerusalem, if I would have said to a bunch of Jewish guys who had read the 150 chapters about the coming Messiah, who believed all of their life that a Messiah would come, and for 150 chapters they had studied it, they had understood it, they had known it. If I were to stand in front of them and said, ladies and gentlemen, who is ready to receive the Messiah? I believe with a resounding roar, everybody would have said, yes, that's me. But how many, you know, you know what? You know how many people actually received him first? Two. Two. Not good odds. <laughs> Not good odds. I want to share with you the two people that received Jesus, and I believe these two will help us to get ready to receive what God has for us in this day, in this hour, in this time. In this series, we need to answer this question with that resounding, yes, I'm ready for what God has for my life, and say it with judgment day honesty. And so when I say judgment day honesty, I mean where the piercing eyes of the love of God is looking at every fiber of your being and saying, are you ready for what I want to do? Can I count on you to be a part of what I want to do in this day and in this hour? Now, part of this series is going to deal with the power of God. It's going to deal with the judgment of God. It's going to, become, it's going to deal with the coming of the Lord. It's going to deal with what, you know recognizing the day and times with which we live. Again, if I would have been in Jerusalem just a few days before the Messiah would have arrived, people would have been on board with that shouting because in their mind, they thought it would look like something that they had created with their own mindset. It's going to look like maybe Jesus overthrowing the Romans and we don't have to live under Roman oppression anymore. It's going to look like this or it's going to look like that. But only two recognized swiftly when they seen Jesus that this is God's Messiah. I pray that we as a people will receive this with gratitude and with a heart's desire this morning 
to recognize the goodness of the Lord. Do you, rec- do you know this? That 500,000, it was estimated of 500,000 people lived in Judah. Jesus preached all throughout Judea or Judah and some in Samaria. How many of you remember the Samaritan woman? At the time Jesus was taken up into heaven, it was believed that only 5,000 people followed him truly. 10%. In a congregation of 500, that'd be 50 people. My prayer as a pastor is that man in this day, beyond the revelation of the cross and the resurrection, that there can be more. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do it because I notice that right after... Listen to me. When Jesus dies on the cross and then raises from the dead and then the disciples take over, how many was saved on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 souls were saved on the day of Pentecost. In the, within the next couple of weeks, 5,000 souls were saved. And then in the next few weeks, an innumerable multitude, meaning that God is doing something at an exponential rate. In other words, God is doing some multiplication that's pretty awesome and pretty powerful. So I want to share with you, are you ready for a move of God? Are you ready for the power of God? Are you ready for the judgment of God? And are you ready for the return of God? Let's take a look into this a little bit. Let's dive in and let's see how ready we really are. Join me in the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2. In this Christmas season, people looking for Jesus to come in that first, in that first century time. Uh, I, I pray that we as a people looking for his second coming. How many believe that Jesus is coming again? Can, I, can you hear you? Make a little noise if you believe Jesus is coming again. You know what, I mean, but you say, like, preacher, why are you asking that in church? Did you know one of the things that the Bible says about in this last day? You know what people would start to say? Where is the sign of his coming? When is he coming? People will start falling away because they just think he's not really coming. And I pray that I'm a bunch of, among a bunch of people that's looking for Jesus to come again and ready for what God wants to do right now in preparation for the return of Jesus Christ. So my hope is and my heart is is that you just really dive into this. So I've got Luke 2 for you. Luke 2, 22 through 40. Very lengthy passage of scripture here. But I want to show you these two people that are in here that recognized immediately that this is the Savior. I pray that we do. I pray that we do quickly. So let's, let's, let's turn there if you will. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to turn there in my Bible because you know what I forgot to do? Put it on my notes. So I'm opening my Bible up right now. And we're here in Luke chapter, chapter number 2. Hey, this is unlike me to not be ready on this, on this level. Here we go. Luke chapter 2. Now when the days of purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25 says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. 
And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now you, are letting, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to the word of the Lord. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your, your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, this, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul that the thoughts of many uh, may be revealed. How I many you know God's looking beyond what you think? Now, there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband only seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow. So after she was married for seven years, her husband died and she was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Here we see two people that recognized him immediately. I'm talking about outside of his, his mom and dad. Two people recognized him immediately. This, this one named Simeon and the other whose name was Anna. It's very interesting to me. So we're going to look at these two individuals. What was it about them that they could recognize what God was doing? How many of you know it's extremely important to recognize what God is doing? If you don't recognize what God is doing, if you can't lean in to what the Lord is doing, you're liable to miss what he's doing. Amen? I mean, how many of you know Jesus would have passed some people by, but they recognized that he was their answer if you read the New Testament? Jesus, Jesus, he, he didn't just go up to everybody that was sick and said, hey, do you want to be healed? He just walked close enough. And as he walked close enough, somebody had to have the revelation in them that said, there goes my answer. There's my help. Right there is where I get breakthrough. Right there is where my healing is. Right there is where the, 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 everything about my life can change if I just get to him. 
And you got to be able to recognize it's extremely important to discern and recognize your moment. One has said that a moment has to be seized within the window of that moment's opportunity. Otherwise, it'll pass you by and that moment will never come around again. Oh, an opportunity may come again, but the moment to seize that opportunity may have passed you by and no telling how long you have to wait before the next moment comes in. Can you say amen to that? So it's extremely important. Listen, you can't just think of today as another church service. You got to recognize there's a moment for me today. There is a there is a kairos moment. It's not set by a time on the clock. It's just a window of opportunity. A kairos moment means that there is a set a moment whereby it does it's not clocked out by the time on the clock the clock in the back says 11:17 in a few minutes it'll say or in a minute it'll say 11:18 that's chronos time. That's chronological. One right after the other. One, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. But a Kairos moment, you can't look at a clock. You've got to discern in the spirit. You've got to recognize what moment you're standing in. Sometimes when you don't recognize when you're standing in greatness, you miss a moment. When you don't recognize what's right in front of you, you miss a moment. You ever gotten past a moment and walked past it and scratched your head and said, why couldn't I see what was in front of my nose right then huh why couldn't I have recognized it then I couldn't have recognized it at that moment anybody ever married the wrong no I better not say that that way <laughs> because you missed your moment in another season. Uh, no, nah, that's probably not a good thing to preach about right there but but it, it, you understand what I'm saying you got to be able to seize your moment and being able to seize a moment is going to be extremely important. Simeon, when he seized his moment, he says, now I got peace. Yeah, now I got peace. Now this whole death thing is not an issue for me. Now this whole transitioning away from this walk of life, not an issue with me because I seized the moment. He saw Jesus. So here, I want to give you a couple of things. Number one, to be ready was, to be ready like this guy Simeon was, let's take a look at his life just a little bit. Just a little bit. The Bible says he was just and devout. He was just and devout. You know, we, one of the trademarks of the last days, you know, the, one of the great trademarks of the last days that you'll find that Paul preached about, that John preached about, and that Peter preached about, and that Jude preached about was deception in the last days. You know the reason for deception? To deceive you. <laughs> Real revelation there, right? To deceive you. To keep you from recognizing a moment. And the way that you do that is being able to stand in just a right relationship with God and devoted to God. In our culture right now, there is a huge push, listen to me, by the kingdom of darkness to really move people away from being just in the sight of the Lord and devoted to God. They want to devote to themselves. You know, I, I feel like sometimes people are trying to make a golden calf out of God and then manage him because they want a God that they can manage. You know what? I heard Charles Stanley say one time, if you've got a God that you can manage, you, the only God you really have is you. You're your own God. If, if you can make God into something you want him to be rather than who he really is, you get to say, well, you're standing in my way right there. Move over here. 
because I'm going to do it my way. Wait a minute, I need you up here because I'm in trouble. Okay, I want to do it my way. Move over here. That's what it looks like. When you look into the pages of the Word of God, how many of you know the one true and living God is not that way? He is God. And He says, I need you to move over here. And I need you to step up here. And I need you to take a back seat there. And I need you to walk over here. And I need you to do this. And you know what our response is supposed to be? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll do it your way. As long as you put, and, and I understand why people do that. Because the culture, the culture says, we want it our way. We don't like church. You know what church is categorized under now? Religion. And while we don't like religion, religion is a set of rules and orders. The, the fact is, is that we don't want something legal to bind us to what is right. Yet we have something called the New Testament, which is a legal, God-legal document for the way that we're to operate as a people. People don't like it. People don't like it, so therefore it's rejected because I don't want to do it God's way. I don't want to do it the way he wants me to do it. I want to do it my way. I want it my way. That's the big push of I want to be able to do it like I want to do it. I want to, I want, I want to customize me a church like I want it. Not he's building a church and I ship my heart to walk with him the right way. What we want to do is find it the way we want it, make it the way we want it, and therefore we feel justified in our decisions. But the Bible says about Simeon, he was just and devout. He was devoted to God. The Bible says he was waiting. How many of you know waiting is anticipation? Anticipation. Every single week I try to get online on a piece of social media and say something anticipatory to you and anybody that will watch for an expectation of a move of God. Because here's what I know about the way the Lord is. The Lord reveals himself to those who are looking. Who are willing to take the look. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But, but are you anticipating? Are you anticipating what God is wanting to do right now? Are you anticipating what God wants to do in your life today? Are you anticipating more about Christmas trees? Or are you anticipating what God wants to do in you? Are you anticipating what present might be under the tree? Are you, are you anticipating what present might be right in front of you right now? What if Holy Spirit was right in front of you right now saying, if you'll open this up, I'm going to show you great and mighty things which you didn't know. Yeah, what if the Holy Spirit was standing right in front of you? And I believe he is. <laughs> I believe he is. Standing right in front of you today just saying, here, I got a gift for you. I got it all for you. All, everything that you need according to life and godliness. God said, I got it all for you. If you'll just open it up right now. And you know what? On a Sunday, I, and, and on a Monday, and on a Tuesday, but especially on a Sunday, I'm anticipating what God might have for us collectively as a body rather than just personally for my own life. Yeah, I want to receive everything God has for me, but I want to see what God has for all of us together. Don't you? Are you anticipating, waiting? Simeon, if you're going to recognize what God is doing, you're going to have to have some anticipation to you. 
you got to have some anticipation. You can't sit back in your seat and fold your arms and say, God, move me if you can. There's got to be some anticipation. There's got to be just any moment now, God's going to break through. Just any moment right now, God's going to come in my, in my situation. Just any moment right now, I'm going to get my miracle. Just any moment right now, I'm going to get my breakthrough. Just any moment right now, God's going to do something that I like I've never seen before. Just any moment right now, God's going to give me the breakthrough I've been believing for. You've got to have a heart of anticipation. Is anybody anticipating Anybody anticipate? What if he just dropped it right now? I'm not talking about anticipating for the altar call. I'm talking about anticipating God to a such a degree that maybe right now you receive. While I'm preaching, you receive what God has for you. I believe, I believe, listen, this Cornelius, y'all know about the man named Cornelius in the book of Acts. Cornelius, I believe, was so anticipating God doing something in his house when he sent for Peter, he's just knowing that God's about to do something. And while Peter was even preaching, I told you this before, the Jews had to spend 10 days. 120 people had to spend 10 days in an upper room praying. But a Gentile man who had anticipated so much, whose prayers and alms came up before the Lord, who was anticipating Peter's arrival to preach something to him about Jesus, when he arrived, Bible says, while he was speaking, the Spirit of God fell on I look for the moment that while I'm speaking, healing begins to... I'm looking for people to be baptized in the Lord. I don't want to have to work my lungs out to get somebody in faith so that they'll finally get it. I want it to be where God's glory and God's power is coming up on a people that says, I'm a sponge. I want everything that God has for me right now. I don't want to have to wait on it another week. Or another. I'm not talking about a lack of patience. I'm talking about anticipation. Anticipating God moving. I'm talking about that heart readiness that's just like, mm, mm, mm. I was, I was talking about this series with Naomi. She said, it sounds like you might need to title it Ready, Set, Go. I struggle with that a little bit because in both of our minds, it was kind of like, like, you know, all right, you're getting down and it's track and field and you get your back foot set and you get your front foot set and it's time and you, you have to raise up and get ready so that every bit of your momentum can carry you off to be able to start in what God wants to do. And I'm telling you right now, I believe God in this last day and last hour is looking for somebody who's willing to put their feet in the chalks and say, I'm set. All I got to hear is the voice of the Lord. Fire off like a gun and I'm ready to move. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anticipation. This old man, listen to me. This old man was anticipating that God wasn't done. That God still had something to show him. God still had something to do in his life. The name, oh no, I can't get ahead of myself. He was anticipating what was he anticipating? The Messiah. Messiah, the Savior. The Bible, one translation says, our translation that we read today says, for the consolation of Israel. That's a good translation, by the way. A consolation. Yeah. To console. To come close. To get near to. God with us. Emmanuel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. But another translation says, waiting for the Messiah to come. Some people are anticipating, but they are anticipating the wrong things. 
They are anticipating what they're going to get for Christmas. They are anticipating when they get that breakthrough job. They are anticipating when they make enough money. They're anticipating everything about their lives, but they're not anticipating for Jesus. Are you anticipating Jesus? Are you anticipating for the coming of the Lord? You know, John anticipated the coming of the Lord over in Revelation. After he read all the revelation of everything that was about to happen and about to come, he said the cry, the Maranatha cry, even so come Lord Jesus. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? It's, t- it's bound up into one word called Maranatha. It is a declaration of an anticipation of the coming of the Lord. You know, John got all this revelation of the things that were going to come. The star of that falls from heaven called Wormwood that consumes a third of the, the rivers of the area. And, and he saw all of these things that were happening. And he looked at that. But he also looked at the nations gathered around a throne and a number that no man can number a thousand and ten times th- thousand thousand times ten thousand and he saw this and he saw this beautiful picture of Jerusalem coming down from heaven the new city of God he saw the current present evil age done away with and a new age began the age of all things new under the millennial kingdom and he saw it in such a way that no baby would ever have to cry or be aborted he saw it in such a way that no Nobody would have to be murdered or die. He saw it in a way that nobody would ever have to cry or be in pain again and deal with cancer or whatever your issue is. He saw it and he looked at it and he said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen's are falling off when you start talking about that stuff. Uh, even because so, we got all these dreams and we got all these plans. Some generation, some generation has to see the coming of the Lord. Second, the, the, the next thing about this guy that we need to learn and understand, Bob says the spirit was upon him. Mm. Good God, we could turn this into a Holy Ghost message right here. The spirit was upon him. I'm telling you what you need to recognize the moment with which we're in, revelation of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. It says it was upon him. I mean, he was cloaked with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he was covered with the Holy Spirit. I find that right now in today's times in which we live in, used to, people, people used to relate Pentecostal or a charismatic church with a demonstration of the Spirit. But those days are leaving us quickly. You know what they're calling a Pentecostal or charismatic church? People who raise their hand and have lively music. I love lively music. And I think it's right to raise your hands. But if that's all we got, I don't want it. If that's all we got, I don't want it. Because raising my hands didn't give me a revelation. The revelation caused me to raise my hands, but my hands being raised didn't give give me the revelation. I, I, I love good worship music. But good worship music is not what's moving me. The revelation of what the music is about is what's moving me. Huh? That's why I can jump and dance and be ready to honor and praise God with everything that I have. Because it's not about, is the music good? It's about the revelation is good. The revelation is good. He's good. 
He's done good. He means good for my life. He's doing good things in my life right now. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it, God is still doing some things good. Amen. When I thought it looked bad before, when I got past it, I recognized it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. He mixed it all up and fixed it, and he worked it out for my good and his glory. Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's who he is. It may look bad at a time that I have summarized. You know what? You know what the Bible says we don't, we're not to judge because if, if, you, if you're not a judge that has the both sides, you have incomplete information. See, a judge always has the plaintiff and defendant represented. And the problem with us is because we can't see both sides, we only have one side and draw a conclusion. How many of you know people can make you believe anything with just one side of the story? That's why your in-law could be the greatest in-law ever as long as both sides of the story is showing up. But as long as one side gets to tell the story. I wish I had that cricket sound right now. You got a buddy? that you want to confide in, it's real easy to go tell your side of the story and have somebody on your side. But in order to get judgment right, you got to have both sides of the story. There's two sides to the same coin. you got to have both sides to get its full value. Amen? I was over at my dad's just recently. I took his tractor back. I borrowed it. To do some work in my house. Actually, he has two tractors, and the one that was at his house, he wanted me to go get some stuff to be able to do the uh, maintenance on it. I went and bought it for him. He was going to pay me back because it was almost 200 bucks. So I buy the stuff, I take it over to dad, and I drop it off, and he gives me some money back. He said, just keep the change. I noticed the outer bill was a $100 bill, and I'm thinking, okay, it's $200. And he wants me to keep the change. He said, well, now, you need to make sure you're checking that money after a few minutes. I'm thinking, was it? I saw what it was. I'm estimating it to be $200. No, you need to check it. So I look at 300 bucks, Dad, that's too much money. I didn't give you too much money, and I didn't give you $300. Yes, you did. I looked at the side of it, and one side of that $100 bill looked just like the other two $100 bills. I pulled it on Paul, by the way. I tried to bless him with $100, and he wouldn't receive it because he bought me a cup of coffee on a hunting trip. He wouldn't receive his $100 blessing. It's a good thing. He might have went somewhere and spent it and wound up in jail because <laughs> it was a fake $100 bill. And I'm like, Dad, like, and he thought that was the funniest thing ever, but it wouldn't have been real funny if I went and tried to pass that thing off. I'd have been terrible. There's some things that look like it's right, but you got to see the other side of the situation. You got to have both sides of the story. And God looks at the situation and says, I can see both sides clearly. I can see everything purely. I can see everything plainly. And therefore, I'll speak to you by my spirit. And then you can make the proper. Mm. The spirit was upon him. Now, I want to tell you something about Simeon. His name means to listen or to hear. 
How many know the Bible talks in the book of Revelation that he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? What's the Spirit saying to you today? What's the Spirit saying right now? And Revelation qualifies it by saying, he that have an ear. What's the connotation to he that have an ear? You could potentially not have the ear. Or you can be going, la, 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 la. Remember when you was a kid, your brother tried to tell you something, your sister tried to tell you something, and you wanted to drown them out, so you just put your finger. You don't do that to your mama and live. <laughs> you don't do that to your parents and make it to your 18th birthday. <laughs> but your siblings, you stick your, you stick your fingers in your ear, and nah, nah, you didn't want to hear it. I feel like in our day and time, there's a lot of people sticking their fingers in their ear and not want to hear the truth. Because the truth is the only thing that will make you free, but people are okay with bondage. People are okay with their own bondage. But it's not bondage. I get to do what I want. <laughs> oh, there was a day I bought into that lie. I'm going to do what I want to do. How I many you know that brings you into all kinds of bondage? His name means to listen or to hear. But it's not just listening and hearing only. If you look his name up, his name means to listen and hear in order to observe. It was like when Moses is walking in the wilderness and he hears a voice come from a bush. says, Moses, Moses. And the Bible says, he turned to look to see the bush that was burning but not consumed. In other words, you got to turn in God's direction. You got to turn in the direction of God. You got to hear that voice that is speaking, even to you right now, and turn into it and say, Yes, Lord, what are you saying to me? Not, Here's what I want to tell you, but yes, Lord, what are you saying to me? Because if you'll let Him speak to you and begin to speak, He'll help you to understand whether or not you're ready to receive what He wants to do in your life. He wants to do amazing things, friend. You and I live in the last day. When I tell you about this last day, yeah, there's birth pains coming up on the earth. And I want to show you some things. I might get a little descriptive, just, just a little warning to our, to our parents in this. Might be a little bit of warning because Jesus talked about birth pains in Matthew 24 like the birth pains of a woman. But I need you to understand what those birth pains are doing. They are contracting to push out that baby, but at the same time, she's pushing. There's blood and there's natural and there's fecal matter and there's all kinds of stuff that's happening in a negative area but there's some cool things of anticipation happening in a positive. Oh, we might strip some gears here in the next couple of weeks. Hmm, it's going to be good. He turns to observe. You got to be able to turn and observe what God is doing. What is in front of you right now? Is it just another baby or is this the Messiah? Is this just another church service or is it an opportunity? Is it just another series or is it a word from God? Is it just another day or is God wanting to do something in me right now? Is it just another preacher preaching or is it God trying to speak to my heart and get my attention? Is it just another good message that has a lot of good graphics or does it say something to my heart? Is it speaking to me in order to move me and say, oh God, what are you you want to do in my life right now today listen to me you got to be able to see you got to be able to turn your heart turn your attention the bible says his name or his name means 
to listen or to hear with an intention to observe. I'm not just going to hear words. I'm going to I'm going to run my heart into it. I'm going to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? God, what do you got for my life? What are you trying to get my attention with right now? Huh? And in order to be able to receive it, how many you know when he picks that little boy up? Mom and daddy just coming in there doing their thing, and he sees this boy, and he comes over to pick him up. And when he picks him up, revelation met the opportunity. And he said, now my eyes, now my eyes. I've been looking, I've been listening, but now my eyes behold it. Yeah, I've been believing in faith. I've been sowing, I've been waiting, I've been anticipating, I've been listening, I've been seeking, I've been running into the things of God, but now my eyes behold it. How many know I believe our eyes is going to behold what God wants? I be- Here's what I believe about this church. I believe that you're going to see people getting up out of wheelchairs. I believe, listen, I told you a minute ago about the countdown going on. I promise you, I believe that what's going, God's going to be doing in the future, if you don't get here early, you ain't going to get a seat. I, I, believe if you, I believe you're going to have to anticipate the doors being unlocked because of what God is about to do in this place right now. I just believe that, friend. I, I don't believe we have to sit back and beg people to come on time and get on in and get your seat. I believe that there could come a move of God if we'll just press in, be ready, anticipate. I believe there could come a move of God, friend, where people are lined up saying, I can't wait till they open it. Listen, if it can happen on a... On a, on, a, on a Halloween uh, thing that we did for the, for, for the community to give out candy. How many, how many of you know it could do it a whole lot greater for a move of God? I ain't going to rehash the whole Brownsville thing of being there waiting in line. I just want you to know I've seen it. I've been there. I've seen it. My eyes have beheld what a move of God can look like. And I'm not trying to get us back to 1996, 1997. I'm just trying to say that when God moves, he knows how to get people's attention. Huh? He's just looking for some people that will listen and lean in. Not be just good, nice church people, but listen and lean in. Not not, not people that's just saying, I want my favorite seat on the church. People that's willing to say, whatever you want to do, God. Whatever it looks like. Whatever it sounds like. Come. Lord Jesus, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus. Mm. Mess it up, Lord. Mess up the cute, God. Mess up what you have to. Make it so uncomfortable that we can't find enough seats. Make it so uncomfortable that... mm. We're constantly trying to move our lives to the comfortable. That's all we believe God for is the comfortable. I want to believe him for the crazy. <laughs> I, I know that just sounds like good preaching material, but I promise you, I mean what I say. I'm not here trying to impress nobody. I'm just trying to say, I, 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 I just want to see what God wants to do in, our, in my life, in my day, in my time. Who's with me? Let me ask you a question. Are you ready? No, no, are you ready? 
No, really, are you ready? What if you had to come in here early? What if we had two services? What if we had three services? What if we had four services? Are you ready? Let me talk to the media team. Are you ready? I know that's a scary thought. Let me talk to the kids' ministry. Are you ready? Let me talk to some people that work in kids' ministry and serve any. Are, are you ready? Because those things will make you think, whoa, I'm not sure I am. Here's the second person. You ready to go to the second one? The second one is a lady, a prophetess, the Bible says, by the name of Anna. A prophetess by the name of Anna. You want to know one of the trademarks of, the, of a prophet or a prophetess? That they can hear from God and willing to say what he wants to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready to hear from God and say what he has to say? I said, are you ready to hear from God and say what he has to say? Huh? Are you ready to hear what the word of the Lord is and say what he's saying? Are you going to be bold? Are you going to stand strong? I'm telling you right now, when the disciples hit the, the, the crossroads of whether they were going to stand up and say what God had them to say, they called a prayer meeting. And they began to pray. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them and the whole place was shaken. But the prayer that they prayed was, God, behold their threats. But grant unto us that all your servants, that with all boldness we may be able to speak your word. And the Bible says that place was shaken. And they stepped out and began to preach the word of God with boldness. We're talking about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone everywhere. Are you going to be bold? Are you going to be brave to stand and speak what God says for us to speak? The Bible says she was an aged woman who had been through some things. The Bible says that her husband died after seven years of marriage, and here she's over 80 years, 80 years into the temple, 84. That's what the Bible says. She'd been in the temple. She'd been praying, and she's been seeking the Lord. How many know God still uses people that has been through some stuff? Huh? How many of you know people? Sometimes we think that the only way I can be used of God is if I have a life like this one, a perceived life that you think someone else has. You want to know the whole reason we did the known series? So that you could hear that ever, there's other people that you see that stand on this stage that are used in the gifts and the callings and the power and the purpose of God that you could hear their story and life hasn't always been a bed of roses. Huh? They, they've walked through some stuff. They've had to bury babies and they've had to go through some splits and, and divorces and they've had to walk through some stuff when somebody cheated on them and done them wrong. They've had to walk through some mess in life, but they're willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that cause me to run from God. I'm going to run to the house of God. I'm going to seek the face of God and I'm going to let God do the healing that I need in my heart so that I can have a word from God. Woo, mm, yeah. Somebody's been through some stuff in this building. Somebody's been through some stuff. You've been asking yourself, can I be used of God? Is, are you talking to everybody, Pastor, but me? No, I'm talking straight to you. I'm talking to that person that's been through some mess and been through some heartache and been through some brokenness. And I want you to know that if you'll run to God, God still wants to show you some things. God still wants to work through your life. God still wants to bless your life. Can you? Somebody ought to put their hands together because your mess didn't mess you up. Your mess didn't mess you up. Your mess didn't disqualify you. Your mess didn't kick you out the door. But your Savior came running to you to forgive you. Mm -mm -mm. Now, here, here this woman, she, she'd been through some stuff, but she ran to the face of God. The Bible says that her, her father's name was Phanil. I think I'm saying that right. His name means 
face of God. When you've been through some things and you've also come from the way of being in the face of God, God can do amazing things in your life. Did you come from being in the face of God today? Have you been in the face of God lately? Have you been in the presence of God? Have you been looking into the very face of God or has you just sought his hand? You know, some people seek the hand of God. Lord, I need you to bless me. Lord, I need you to help me. But if you seek the face of God, his hand comes along with it. If you seek his face, his hand comes along with it. I remember both of my kids being on my lap when they were just little. They don't remember this, but man, this is dad moments. Dad moments. They'd be on my lap. And they're trying to get my attention. And I'm acting like I'm ignoring them. Because I think Taylor initiated this. It's me. She's trying to get my attention and I'm looking away. But them little hands will get a hold of the side of my face. Daddy. And turn me right into her face. I like playing the game just so that she could just turn me right to her face. Get right up in my face. Daddy. I'm talking to you. singing this song. If you, I don't know if you noticed in the progression of our worship set, we went from singing about God to singing to God. And here's what I notice sometimes about us that we need to fix. We get real happy singing about him, but we disconnect sometimes singing to him. He spent all week long blessing you. He spent all week long pouring out for you, and now it's time to just pour something on him. And we feel like we got to ask for more. How about give? Mm. You want to shift into the next gears when it's the moments whereby it's focused, poured something on him? Dearest Father, closest friend, most beautiful, one thing I desire only this I seek, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. This will be my posture, laying at your feet, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. I'm so in love with you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. So beautiful. You hear what I'm talking about? It's in those moments that we tend to say, well, because that, get, that gets just a little bit too loving. That gets too mushy. Listen, I don't like it when we turn God into the boyfriend or the girlfriend. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That seems to be what happens every time we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Our resistance to something causes us to swing the pendulum so far that we're missing the point of loving God. And we're supposed to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our might. And when it comes time to be able to sing to him and help just, just, just pour that out on him. I hope we get it. Let me ask you, are you ready? 
yet it's falling off. That's what I thought. That means I've not done a good enough job maybe to help you get the revelation of the importance of loving on God. Because he's loved on you. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God. We talked about how we were going to build was loving people with the love of God. And that's one thing. It's easy to show this person you love them. Can you show him you love him? Well, what does he want me to do? Just sing it to him. Because you can't give him anything he don't already have. You can give any of us things that we don't have. It makes us feel valued, makes you feel valued. But what do you give a God who has everything? The one thing that he wants. You. Your song. <laughs> yeah. And expressing that to him. I'm going to wrap this thing up. She come through the face of God. She's been in the presence of God. She could hear from God to be able to say what God was saying. She'd been through some stuff. But the Bible says that she's from the tribe of Asher. Do you know what the tribe of Asher, the word Asher means? Happy and blessed. <laughs> you mean she's gone through the loss of a husband? You, he's died. You, you mean she has been tucked away at church all the time and she's happy and blessed? Yeah, she was a victim of some stuff, but the victimist mentality didn't grab a hold of her thinking. See, some of us go through some stuff, and that becomes our excuse to get petted. I ain't going to help nobody right now, but I'm going to say it anyhow, maybe. We, we go through some stuff, and we like people to pet us. Poor little us. Who do you think you are, preacher? You sound mean. No, man, listen. I love you, but I promise you. The one that got me through some stuff is the same one that can get you through some stuff. But if I sit and start saying, well, look what I've been through, and I had the most terrible childhood, and this happened to me, and that happened to me, yes, and everybody's got a story, and some of those stories make me cry. Some of those stories make me weep. Some of those stories make me walk the floors at night praying for you. But I'm so thankful that many of you that are in this building right now, you've been through some stuff, but nobody can tell it. Nobody can look at you and say it because the happiness and the joy of the Lord is on your life. I'm telling you right now, the goodness of God will bring the joy and the blessing of the Lord. I'm asking you, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God wants to do now? She re the way she was anticipating, the way she was, God revealed to her what he was doing in the earth. Everything was going to shift. For 4,000 years, the approach to God was relatively the same. But everything was going to shift once this revelation came. The temple would no longer be a building. It is a man. And then the man is going to justify many so they can become temples. 
everything. The approach to God, it was no longer going to be, you have to bring some animals for us to bleed out and sacrifice today. One was given for you called the Lamb of God, and you could come here today and worship without bringing your livestock. Every one of you would be farmers if you wanted to follow God today, or at least buy somebody's who has some animals at the front door. Everything was going to shift. And she recognized it. The Bible says her name is Anna. The word Anna means grace. Grace is going to take you. Grace is going to make you. Grace is where you're going to get it revealed. Stand with me. Today is just a setup for where we're going to ask you, are you ready for a move of God? Don't tell me yes. Don't get my hopes up. If you're not going to do this just and devoutly, if you're not going to anticipate, if you're not wanting to see Jesus move, if you're not willing to let the Holy Spirit move upon you, not willing to listen in order to observe, if you're not ready to receive a word from God and speak it out, if you're not ready to not allow your issues that you've gone through to become your crutch for the future if you'll let God heal you and get up in his face let his happiness and blessing overflow in your life and let's walk in the grace that he's given us Woo, that was a mouthful your grace is
Listen, I want to say something to you. I've about blown my voice out preaching. So hitting the high notes was easier to do before church started, right at the early first start of church. Right now, I've stripped a few gears. It's all right because Father knows my heart. Family, I ask you, are you ready for what God wants to do? And maybe something that I've said, something that I've done throughout this message, maybe is speaking to your heart. And you maybe say, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready as I thought I was. I say it like maybe those first century Jews would have said it. Yes, I'm ready. But I didn't know it would require. I didn't know it would look like. I didn't know how it would be. Maybe the Holy Spirit has just kind of worked in your heart today. You may say, Pastor, I really want to be in on what God wants to do in my life. Life has got to be for more than me just living for myself. I I don't want to just live for myself. I want to live for His glory. I remember the words of Jesus. He He said, He that seeks to save his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake in the gospel shall find it. I believe those to be profound words. Believe you me, friend, I'm learning more and more every day how to do that. Because there's times that we all go through it. There's times that I want my way. There's times I want people to see it my way. Let's be honest, right now we all can be that way. Holy Spirit has to say to me, listen boy, you said you want me to guide your life. You need to let me guide your life right now. Because I like to make a predictable outcome. You know, the whole reason why we want to be in control is we want to predict the outcome. Let's be honest. We want the outcome to be predictable based upon the image of what we think it should look like in our head. And there are times in your life where that might be appropriate. But when it comes to following God, there, there, it's not appropriate. What is appropriate is let God really truly have first place. And behold what He wants to do. Some of you might have a ministry that you think you want to be involved in, but God might not even want you in that one. I remember when I first started preaching, I said, man, thank God I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be evangelist all the days of my life because I don't want to deal with church people junk. I'm being honest. My pastor told me stories about killing rats in the parsonage with golf clubs. He told me stories about what happens with church people. And I thought to myself, God, thank you for calling me to evangelize. Hallelujah. I can blow in, blow up, blow out of here, and I don't have to deal with the stuff. <laughs> Oh, guess who gets the last laugh in that one? Can I tell you something, though? I was made for this. I'm telling you right now, I was made for this. I'm still trying to learn a lot of things, but I recognize something right now. I was made for this that I didn't recognize a long time ago. 
he made me to be a pastor. And no matter what I try to do, I can't get away from a pastor's heart. Sometimes when I'm trying to make a decision, that pastor's heart to shepherd and care and guide really grabs hold of me. And here's what I want to say to you. you. You might try to be predicting the outcome of how God wants to use you. There might be a ministry that God has called and pricked your heart toward. But you're, man, gosh, it's going to take this kind of commitment. And y'all got to do this. And you got to get here early to do that. And you got to do that. And I don't have all that time. Can I just be very transparent with, with you? One of the reasons that I didn't want to be a pastor outside of all of the church things was I truly believed I could not come up with a sermon to preach every single week, multiple times a week. I thought, man, I can't live that. I can't live that kind of commitment. I can't, I can't live that out. I didn't want to do it. I mean, oh, God has a way of getting a hold of you. Especially if you're in his face saying, God, use me, here I am. Because it's impossible to try to be getting a message to evangelize, go to church and preach, man. You just, oh, God, give me a message. You're all up in his face and he starts dealing with your heart on another level. No, I don't want to hear you about that. I'm just trying to get a word. Put the anointing on me. I want to just go blow up today. Some of you right now, God may be just dealing with your heart about a ministry that you feel disqualified for maybe because you've gone through some stuff or you don't think you have it in you you don't in and of yourself but he's got what you need so I would just ask right now this morning first off are you where you need to be with God are you away from the Lord are you serving a God of your own understanding you got a manageable God one you want him to look like rather than the one the Bible reveals him as are you trying to you busy trying to make a God that you can manage? You can tell him what you want, how to do, when to do, how to do it, what kind of church you want, how you want your life to turn out. Let me tell you something, friend. Don't fool yourself in religion. That's exactly what that is. That's religious operation. That's the way religion works. You build a religion based off of what outcome you want to see. And 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 you try to write out the code for it. God says, uh-uh, that ain't how this works. You trust me with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. All your ways you acknowledge me, I will direct your path. That's what he says. Can you say amen to that? So I don't know where you are with God. I'm going to ask our leaders to come to the front right now, if you will. We're just going to open up the altar for a time of prayer. Maybe you're in this building right now, and you're just saying, Lord, I'm not where I need to be with you, and I know it. My heart is convicting me right now. I can hear it deep inside of me. No matter what I've told everybody, no matter what face I've tried to put on in front of everybody else, right now my heart is convicting me and I recognize I don't have the fellowship with you that you and I once had. I've been trying to dictate what that looks like and God not letting you into the relationship and I'm asking you to come and fix my heart. Maybe you're in this building today and you're not where you need to be with God in a sense that you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. You need to get right with God right now because what I'm going to preach to you in the next few weeks, and I know we got some stuff coming up, so this one may push over into the new year. I'm not certain about that. We got some stuff that's happening next week. Jonathan Ramat will be here with us, overseer of Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Iran. He's going to be here, 
and share some stuff with you. I'm not sure how that whole service is going to go, so it may push out a couple of weeks. But throughout this series, you're going to recognize and you're going to see that we live in the last of the last days. No generation before us could have ever said what you and I can say right now as it pertains to Bible prophecy fulfilled for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Family, I believe with all of my heart, either me in my generation or my kids will see the coming of Jesus, period. If Because if it goes beyond that, I don't believe another generation could say that. And I'll show you what I mean by that in the scriptures, in this upcoming stuff. I'll show you why the war, the six-day war of 1967 marked something that no other generation before and no other generation to after could say what was embodied in Matthew 24. You need to hear what I got to say. You, Pastor, are you predicting the coming of Jesus? Only to say this, I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, but I believe it's in my lifetime or in my kid's lifetime. Oh, that makes me afraid. That ought to be an indicator you got something messed up right now. Because you two are going to get married. Y'all are anticipating a day. You don't think of the wedding day and say, Woo, that scares me. I don't want to get married. At least you better not be. I'm preaching here and I need some amens right here to help me out. I know your heart and I know that's what you're anticipating. So I feel safe saying that. And I'd get at least a head shake. And nobody looking, kind of seeing what the other one's saying. You're anticipating that day. Because it's a life together. We're the bride of Christ. And right now, the groom is not where we are. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and preparing a place for us. But he will come again and say it's time to go home. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60, verse 1, we hope you arise and shine, for your 